Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm away, verse 2, beg of you that when I am present, that I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. Verse 3, here's kind of, we're really getting to it, verse 3, 4, and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And I, I have a really, I do have a goal set in mind for this morning. And I, I'm going to tell you, I do believe 100% in the manifestation of evil. I believe in the manifestation of evil through demonic possession. I believe that weird stuff can happen and all. And, and we may get in the dress of that, some of that stuff. I'm going to tell you, you cannot really enter the fight of spiritual warfare until you get what I'm going to share with you this morning. It's very simple. I think it's very elementary, but so many times I think we, you know, I, I remember when I was young and, and younger and zealous, don't let the gray fool you, I'm still young. Um, you know, it's like, man, you know, it's like, you know, it, it was almost like we went out looking for a fight, you know, kind of like, I mean, the only thing I know to compare it to is kind of like Ghostbusters, right? Well, that, that's not the wise way to engage in the spiritual warfare. That was a good place to say amen. But it doesn't mean that we shy away, we turn away, or we cower away from spiritual warfare. Listen to me. In the New Testament, it's not believers that tremble at the power of Satan, but it is the demons who tremble at the power of God. And we've got to remember that. And even before I kind of really get into what I want to unwrap this morning, I just want to remind you that what shall we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we know that promise, but if God is for you, who can be against you? What it means is this. It's no matter what tide of hell is coming against you, God's got this. Or Romans 8.37, that we are more than conquerors, not through our own power or through us, but through him who loved us. 1 Corinthians 5.57, but thanks be to God who gives us victory. Everyone say victory. victory. Come on, say victory like there's a bunch of us here. Victory. Through our Lord Jesus 
1 John 5, 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I'm gonna, we are locked into a battle. There are two kingdoms that are opposed to one another. There is the kingdom of God. And what makes up the kingdom of God is salvation, is healing, is deliverance, is restoration, is forgiveness, is redemption, is, is wholeness, is, is fullness of life. There are things that make up God's kingdom and those are examples of that, just like there are things that make up the kingdom of darkness, of confusion and manipulation and sin and bondage and darkness. And so the first thing to realize is there are two kingdoms. If you've got your notes and you're using that, uh, that's the blank there, two kingdoms. There are two kingdoms, and they are opposed to one another. Colossians 1.13 tells us he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. I could say, and it would be appropriate to say, the kingdom of darkness. God has delivered us from one kingdom and placed us into another kingdom. A kingdom that's of light, the marvelous light. Are you with me this morning? And so even that scripture very simply tells us there are two kingdoms. And because there are two kingdoms, there are kingdom territories. There are kingdom realms. That's your next one, fill in a blank right there. Two kingdoms and there's kingdom realms. That means there is a rulership that is taking place because of that kingdom. Are you following me? And so in the kingdom of God, look, 18, John 18, 36, I love this passage when I'm, when I'm preaching about this and speaking about this, John 18, 36, my kingdom, this is Jesus talking, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. The kingdom that Jesus has established is something greater than political power. The greatest deception of the first century uh, uh, Jewish people was thinking that the Messiah was going to come and deliver them from the Romans. But that was not God's agenda. God's agenda was to bring forth the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world and bring the kingdom of God near his people. And so there's two realms. And in Ephesians 6, 12, you're familiar with this. It tells us, for we do wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Uh, it's, I'm going to tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to spot who is in the kingdom of God and who is in the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom, those who are in the, in the realm that they are in is obvious. And we know that because of their citizenship. They're citizens. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is what? Our citizenship is what? What does it say on the screen? Our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject to all, all things to himself. So we see that there is a citizens live according to the 
decrees, the laws of the realm they're citizens to. Right? Are you following me? And so we see on the other side, matter of fact, the Bible says that everyone who uh, makes practice of sinning also practices lawlessness and sin is lawless. And there's all kinds of scriptures we could talk about. We could talk about where Jesus was actually talking to the Pharisees and he's like, you're just, a, you're just, you're just from your father, the father of lies. And it's in John chapter 8. And so we see a distinguishing thing between those who were citizens of heaven and those who were not. And so it, I could say it this way is that if you are part of the kingdom of heaven, then you're going to live like it. If you're the kingdom of darkness, you're going to live like it. I, it's really that simple. And, and you know, of course, I, what, something I always say is that, you know, there's one thing you, you can expect from sinners. I mean, people that are against God is they're going to act out in a way that's against God. And I mean, we really shouldn't be surprised by that. They're just showing who's controlling their life, their citizenship. But see, we don't have to be part of that kingdom of darkness. That's a good place to say amen. Are you with me? All right. And so citizens, whenever a citizens make up a, in, a, in a place, they have culture. We, our culture here at, at, at Odessa First Assembly is we, we really try to um, establish some things, is that we live life together, that um, uh, uh, you know, lost people, uh, found people, you know, found people, find people. We're, we're evangelistic, and there's things we try to establish here, and, and, and our connect groups are a part of that, of, of bringing back that connectivity. We have a, a culture here. We have, um, if you, you know, we have people from different nations, and there's different cultures. We got um, one brother Paul from India. We have another brother Paul from Cameroon, and you know, I'm not Paul. I'm taught. So, but we all we have we're, we were raised in different cultures, and and you know, there's things that maybe we find odd or different or intriguing about other cultures. But listen to me, I I'm kind of gonna I just gotta throw this out there. I I. You know, I, I don't brag about, like, what I preach. Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm not going to listen to me. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I, when I, that, the Fruit of the Spirit series I preached, I think, was one of them, was, was, uh, was a word of God to our church. I really do. And so when I was thinking about culture, that sets it up perfectly. In Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are what? Uh, ESV says evident. Your translations may, may say obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warn you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're part of another kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against things. There's, against such things there is no law. And so if we're part of the kingdom of God, I mean, what's one example that should be exhibited from our life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. 
And so we remember the, the line in the sand that Joshua gave. Do you remember that? It was, you know, they, um, I mean, this is at the end of Joshua's life. We're reading Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. It's, matter of fact, the other night we were at Brother Paul's house, and I, I noticed that scripture on his wall. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And I'm going to tell you that that doesn't need to be just like lip service, right? I mean, we, we don't stand on that foundation or declaration because of a, of a goosebump or, or an emotional moment. It is of spiritual significance of a foundation that we stand on, that we say, I'm going to serve God. I'm choosing my kingdom. And so the biggest battle, I believe, in spiritual warfare is the battle over truth. I don't think the biggest battle is necessarily over demonic powers and, you know, uh, binding and loosening things. And that's a part of it. That's a segment of it. And, I, and even, a, even a critical part of it. But let me tell you, until we are living in truth, we can't get, we, we can't get to the next level. Does that make sense? The biggest battle is over truth. The, our text in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for our weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have what? Divine power to destroy strongholds. I mean, we don't, you know, we're not like assembling our, you know, our AR-15s in our, in our tanks. We're, we're coming with spiritual weapons. Stronghold means to fortify. It's a strong castle. But the spiritual definition is this. Listen, this is really critical to catch a hold of. A prisoner locked by deception. That's where spiritual warfare begins. Are those that are locked into deception. And something I, I heard John Bevere say years ago, the problem with deception is that it's deceiving. And, and it really, the, the sobering thing is, is that those that are deceived rarely know it. The stronghold means it's fortified. So a spiritual stronghold locked in by deception, there's three things I want you to catch a hold of. Evil is entrenched. And that, you can see that in our own culture. You can see that just that the, 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 the status of what's happening in our world. But also remember this, is that it's not easily exposed. Listen, the enemy doesn't want the light to shine in the crevice. I mean, really, I, I, I'm not trying to make light or belittle, but the, the work of the enemy is a lot like cockroaches. When it's dark, they like to have their run, but you flip the light on and they scurry. Why? Because they, they, want to be, they don't want to be found out. They don't, want to, it is, they don't want their motives and their work to be seen. It's not easily exposed, but it is well defended. And I may talk about this in the future, but it is a rarity. I have been a part of uh, many, many, many uh, 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 deliverances of people that were possessed. And I'm going to tell you, there was a common thread of every experience I've had. It's, it always fascinates me. But not all of them, but the majority of deliverances I've ever been a part of where we were casting demons out of someone is they always try to go to sleep. 
And that's of a spiritual significance. Why? Because I believe because the enemy knows he's been found out and he wants to hide. I mean, I lost some of you there, but yes, I do believe people can be possessed by a demon. Strongholds are established in our lives in many ways. What opens those doors to strongholds being established are hurts. It's unforgiveness. It's bitterness. It's offense. It often starts with a wound that we experience, a hurt, a disappointment that makes our heart fertile ground for the seeds of lies to be planted. And on this foundation, the enemy begins to build brick by brick. I mean, man, I may do that before the next service. I I forgot I was going to do that, but I was going to get a bunch of bricks and start stacking them. That's exactly what the enemy does. If you can just imagine your mind a, a bricklayer and about inaccurate ideas and misconceptions and assumptions and it just becomes brick upon brick upon brick erroneous interpretations of scripture prideful thoughts distorted perception of how God sees us there's all kinds of things that begin to build that stronghold that starts to mold us and shape us and bind us I mean, the Bible, in our text, we destroy those. Listen to what it says. It doesn't say we destroy those demons. Is it 2 Corinthians 10, 5 up there? I don't, can you th- try to throw it up there, Tony? I, I, I did miss that slide. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, look what it says. We destroy what? What do we destroy? Come on, say it. What do we destroy? And what else? Lofty what? It's a battle of truth. Self-arguments, lofty opinions will block us from knowing the truth about God and will lead to a place of bondage in our life. I like how the message says, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose, fighting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. I want to, I want to read that again. This is the message, 2 Corinthians 10:5. We use powerful God tools. I like that. For smashing warped philosophies. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Listen, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse. I think that's very interesting wording right there. Thought, emotion, fitting every loose thought, impulse, and emotion into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. What a description of 2 Corinthians 10.5. You see... 2 Timothy 2.26 tells us, talking about people that are bound, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And that's what we want. We want that that freedom. Because you know what strongholds do? What strongholds do in our life is that they stop growth. They stop growth. And sometimes it's it's, uh, so disheartening to see it take root and happen in people's life of just a simple decision 
and all of a sudden the growth stops. I want to tell you, I don't talk like this very often, and I don't, I don't preach about this very often, but I want to tell you there is something bar none that I see happen all the time is when somebody gets gripped by the deception that it's okay to drink alcohol, not every single time I've seen their growth stop. I've seen it stop. We as Christian people are to abstain from alcohol. We as Christian people should not be living with someone. You can't move, fo- you, you've gotten behind the brick wall. You can't move beyond that brick wall until you get in the truth. And I do, I say that with, because I don't want anybody bound or trapped. I want you free. Stronghold stop growth. Barriers you, you just can't seem to get through. Life just seems stagnant, dry. See, uh, most of everything is wrong and not much right. Uh, feeling a weight of heaviness on you. No freedom to worship. What all this leads to is a place of oppression. What oppression is, is what it literally means is to have authority over you. And when we take on some contradiction of what the truth of Scripture tells us, what we do is we give control of our life over to the enemy. Deception, it controls us through a belief system. I want to tell you, with God's help, you can overcome every stronghold. I can overcome every stronghold. I can overcome every pain, every lure of temptation, and and I can stop that progression of what the enemy is trying to do in my life. God has given you that authority. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. I love that promise. So I'm going to talk really quickly here while I'm on page six. I'm I'm trying to get through this. So we have to identify the stronghold. You have to identify the stronghold. And I do believe that. I do believe this is critical. I'm not going to read the whole passage of Scripture, but as I was thinking about this, I started reading Mark chapter 3. And Mark chapter 3 is where there's an, uh, an, an encounter happening and between the scribes and that, you know, some religious people and Jesus delivering somebody who was demon-possessed. And so in that encounter, we see Jesus say something very interesting. I've always found this interesting. Of course, excuse me, the accusation that the scribes are making to Jesus is they're saying the only way this is happening, that you can do this, is because you're of Satan. I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, that's what they're saying. They're saying, you know, you're all in league together, and that's how you can do this. And so Jesus brings this out in Mark chapter 3. In verse 24, if you can kind of skip to that slide, Tony. Mark chapter 3, verse 24. Here's what Jesus says. If, a, king, if a, a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Verse 26. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But it's coming to an end. Listen, verse 27. 
But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. And then indeed, he may plunder his house. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying right there. What Jesus is saying is, I'm the stronger man. And the enemy has taken captive and stolen and rule, and he's trying to establish his kingdom. But I'm here to tell you, I've stepped on the scene. I'm the stronger man. I can hold and push him back and put him in his chains where he belongs, and I'm going to restore all what the enemy has stolen. You see, that is the work of Jesus. That is his work, that he binds the strong man. And I know us as Charismatics and Pentecostals, we're used to binding and loosing things. Listen, what we actually do is make an announcement for what Christ has already done. We don't have that power, but in the name of Jesus, we get to make an announcement of freedom for those who have been in chains and freedom to those who have been deceived. So, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. I love this promise. Whoever makes practice of sinning is of the devil. Remember, I kind of referred to that earlier uh, and, uh, uh, a few moments ago. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. But listen to this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy what? The works of the devil. He came to buy. Yes, he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin. Yes, he's the one that looks for the sick. He's the one that looks for the one from the 99. But you also got to remember, he's the one that came to defeat death, hell, and the grave. He's the one that came to defeat the enemy. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So the reason we need to identify the stronghold is so we can inject truth. We need to inject truth. What kind of strongholds? I, you know, there, there, there's, there's really a lot, right? There's a lot of areas we could focus on, but, you know, there's habitual sin strongholds. There's, there's strongholds to where we get that sin that just all, it's just, yeah, it's that, yeah, it's always there. I mean, there's so many times, I, you know, one of the, if I could say it this way, you know, I mean, if, if you ever get around a, a, a group of people and you always mess up, can I give, just give some advice? Don't, don't get around them. Don't, don't put yourself in that position. I mean, I mean that's, I'm not trying to be just, I'm not trying to be facetious. I, I mean, really, quit being around them. <laughs> I, I, we use the excuse, but I, I need to share Christ with them. Yeah, but if you're the one falling every single time, how about let's get strong in the Lord and His truth, and then we'll throw the net. I'm not saying that's every scenario. I do believe that the best time to evangelize is the moment somebody gets saved. I do. I believe that. But I'm going to tell you, if you're always going back, and your excuse is to share Jesus, but then you get caught up in the same junk over and over and over. There's a stronghold there. It needs to be identified. And, and what you need to know is this, is that you don't have to live that way anymore. 
There's addictive strongholds, and that's why I would encourage anyone to connect with Tony and, and living free. I'm not going to get real deep into that, but we know alcohol and drugs and sex. There's so many addictive behaviors in our culture. And what I also want you to know is I mean, it's being honest with where you are. I believe one of the powerful statements when blind Bartimaeus was shouting out, you know, uh, Lord, have mercy on me. And I think it's significant. Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? I think it, I really do. I think at that moment, blind Bartimaeus could almost ask for anything, but he didn't. He asked for where he had need. And I think so many times we come to God and we beat around the bush because we want to kind of keep that stuff back here. But the only way to ever truly be free from it is to expose it to the light. Uh, relational strongholds. I mean, when you look at your life and, I mean, it's just damaged uh, relationships, you're bitter, critical, judgmental, opinionated. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. There's nothing wrong with having a strong opinion. But I'm going to tell you, that's the stronghold in some people's life, especially with that opinion's bitter, critical, and judgmental. Maybe there's a, a, a broken relationship with a, a parent you don't relate well with those around you. You don't have any really close friends. You feel alone. It is possible that uh, your marriage is just always a suffering and it's just always a battle. There could be some relational strongholds there. There's strongholds, obviously, of the occult. There is. That's really not my focus this morning. I may do that in another week, but there's a, a, occult strongholds. Listen, don't. I know that Parker Brothers, or whoever it was, has the board game, a Ouija board. Don't mess with it. Misconceived ideas about Scripture and God. I mean, and so many of those are wrapped up in like a self-justification. God helps those who help themselves. That is not Scripture. That's not, you won't find it. Um, God knows my heart. Yeah, you know, and the Bible says that the heart of men is deceitful. <laughs> God wants me happy. No, God wants you in heaven. Now, ultimately, can we be happy going to heaven? Yes! That's the wonderful thing about this. But you know what? If your happiness is placed before your salvation, then we've got the cart before the horse. God made me this way. You see, all those excuses is like a self Justification, but we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, to obey Jesus. So, what we got to do, we have to destroy the stronghold. I'm going to finish this, okay? So, hold on. We may go fast right here. We have to destroy the strongholds. Proverbs 21, 22, a wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. In our text, it says, for we walk, we walk in the flesh, but we're not waging war like the flesh, but we are waging war nonetheless. We are fighting, I mean, waging war right there in, that, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, that waging war, the, what it literally means is fighting with guided strategy. Fighting with guided strategy. That means that God has a plan. And God has a system. 
2 Corinthians 10.4, For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Demolish right there means lower with violence. And listen to me. So yes, there is, an, there is a, I believe, an aggression that really needs to, to, to uh, I hope that's the right way to say that. But I, we got to get sick of this stuff. We got to get sick of the, of the, of, of the wrong interpretations of Scripture. We got to get sick of the opinions that go against what God's Word says. We got to get sick of sin. We got to get sick of addiction. I, I remember uh, we were at a church years ago and there was a lady gossiping, and I called her out on it. I said, You gossip is a sin. You shouldn't gossip. You know what her response to me was? Oh, brother, there's nothing wrong with a little gossip here and there. Deceived. So, how do we do that? I'm gonna, okay. So, we gotta pray. But I wanna talk about some specific things about prayer, and I'm gonna go really fast. Number one is pray with authority. Pray with authority. The scripture tells us that we can go boldly to the throne of grace. It's not something that we need to sh be shy about. And, and I'm going to, man, this may be a little soapbox, but it's kinda, I'm going to kind of throw it in there underhand a little bit. But anointing is not volume. Anointing is not inflection. Are you with me? But I'm going to tell you, when you stand on the truth, when, when you've been injected with that truth and you're standing on the truth, you'll know what, you'll know what authority is. Uh, pray with faith. Pray with faith. The Bible tells us, whatever you ask in prayer, you shall receive if you have faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. We've got to have a level of faith. And so when you pray, I mean, even if you've got to ask God, you know, strengthen this faith. And, you know, the Bible says we've all been given a seed of faith or a small amount of faith. The Bible says all we need is a, the, the size of a, a mustard seed. It doesn't take a lot to move heaven. It just takes faith and who it all depends on. Pray for help. I think maybe we forget that sometimes. And yes, I, I, I use a scripture right here that, you know, preserve me, O God, for you. I take refuge in you. And, and we need to ask God for help. But see, it's also more than that. It's, it's asking, we're, we're in this together. If you're, if you're struggling with a life-controlling issue, especially with addiction, man, I... Uh, Tony Searles has been such a godsend to me, to our church, is that, I, man, I'm just like, I'm like, here's Tony's number. Call Tony, you know. And, I, you know, I've, I've continued with some of that in my life, but I'm going to tell you, uh, for whatever reason, it's powerful when it comes from somewhere else besides just me on the platform. There's some of you that's been through some junk, and you can be there for somebody. Also, another important reason to connect into a connect group, a small group. That was a good plug, Sherman. Another thing is, is to pray for discernment. And I'm winding up really quick right here. Pray for discernment. We live in a, in a, a man, I, the church, we need the gift of discernment, like from, you know, 1 Corinthians and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need that gift of discernment. But did you know that you can have just discernment? I mean, it doesn't just have to be that special gift of the Holy Spirit. But, I mean, we tend to call it women's intuition. I mean, how many men in the house, you're... 
your wife told you something, and you're like, ah, whatever, and then they were right? It's like, how'd they know that? I'm not going to tell them they were right. It's women's intuition. There's discernment there. It's a gift, naturally, it seems, that, that, that ladies have. But to have discernment, 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from, are from God. It is okay to be cautious. It's okay to take it to prayer. It's okay that when you meet somebody and you instantly have a, uh, and, you, know, you know, that in your spirit that you just take a step back and say, I, I need to pray about this before I go any further. So the last thing is this. So we're going to pray, and we're going, as I've said it, I've, I've been saying intentionally, but the last point is, is, is to inject God's truth. And I, I, I use that wording intentionally because I wanted a visual just like, you know, you get a shot of antibiotics in the arm. I mean, you need, God, you need truth injected into that circumstance and situation. I mean, the Bible tells us that you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? It'll set you free. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. See, your Bible is critical when it comes to spiritual warfare. Your Bible, I mean, just listen, listen. I know we feel stuff, and maybe we bat 7 out of 10 when we have a feeling. But I'm going to tell you what never gets it wrong is God's Word. His Word never, ever, ever gets it wrong. It is truth. It's empirical truth. It is, it is undebate. I mean, they try to debate it, but there's nothing debatable about it. It is truth. And God's word will accomplish what it's sent out to do. It will not return void. It is powerful. It is active. And we need to gauge it and judge it by God's word. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you keeps you, sustains you, and if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.